Live from the Great White North, this is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. What is up, listeners of the Canadian Investor? I am Braden Dennis, joined by my co-host Simon Belanger. Is the, is the pronunciation getting better there, Simon? Yeah, man, uh, it's getting better. At some point, we'll have to do a uh, French episode. Yeah, I, might, I might be doing a lot of the talking though. Yeah, French episodes. I guess I'll just be I'll just be a listener of that one because I think I finished grade nine. No, no, no. I did grade ten French when it wasn't mandatory because it was a ski trip. It's the only reason I did it. <laughs> so my French is just horrendous. So guys. I hope everything is going all right, working from home, doing whatever you got to do, people, essential staff. We are so, so grateful for you. Seriously, everyone in the healthcare system, cleaners, retail, grocery, logistics, uh, forgive me if I'm forgetting some, but seriously, thank you all so much. Uh, it looks like everyone's doing their part. You know, There actually has been some reason to believe that what we are doing is really working. Uh, the cases in New York are very, very rapidly decreasing that exponential growth that we were seeing out of there, which was getting pretty scary. So if we keep doing this, maybe we can enjoy our summer. What's going on, Simon? How are you doing over there in Ottawa? Uh, going well. Uh, I mean, at least the weather is getting nicer. Uh, we have a nice backyard, so we get to enjoy that. Uh, we've been walking the dog a few times a day, always keeping our distance. Um, the dogs are loving see- this, man. I know. I think he's going to go in depression when we go back to work or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like we'll wa- walk down the street and it's funny, we'll spot someone coming. We'll just kind of cross on the other side of the street. Um, but no, people have been uh, pretty good. And I'm hopeful too that uh, the more, you know, more people stick to it, the quicker we'll be out of this and uh, kind of go back to normal and hopefully get to enjoy the summer to some extent of normalcy, I would say. You would hope, man. I have my cottage. That's what we call it in Southern Ontario. It's cottage. I know the people out west call it cabins. Uh, Northern Ontario call it camps. But you get the idea, the lake house. And that is my summer, man. So I, I just hope that we can all be up there and enjoy it. So let's talk stocks. Stocks are up quite a lot today um, for the reason mostly I think that I mentioned 10 seconds ago, which was that the things we are doing are actually working in terms of flattening the curve. This is exactly what we're trying to do. And there are reasons to be optimistic this morning when data is coming out that we are making a difference. So that is that is a positive. And Wall Street is acting accordingly. However, that means nothing when on Thursday, job reports were twice as bad as we were expecting and the market was up. So like, who really knows? It's awfully confusing, but... I think net buyers of stocks will do very well right now. How are you looking at the market right now, Simon? Um, with some confusion. Uh, <laughs> no, for Rightfully real, so. it's just, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I think, I can't remember who said this, and I'm sorry if I'm not giving the credit to, to the right person, but, um, you know, short term, 
the markets are really like a voting machine, but long-term, it's like a weighing machine. And I feel like we're really seeing that voting machine in full force in the past uh, few weeks to a month. Um, a lot of the times, it doesn't really make sense. I know I was looking at some companies on my watch list. Uh, some of them, I mean, I'm just kind of scratching my head, like, really? Like, it's up 15% today based on this? Uh, they're not out of the woods. Like, they're still gonna, probably gonna be struggling for a few more months if not more so i i'd still be careful with this uh just you know i think it again we reinforce it continue dollar cost averaging um to minimize uh, the effects of those swings on your portfolio um i personally i mean i could be totally wrong i think there is still some pain to to come unfortunately uh from the health perspective as a society but also from the economic perspective i don't anticipate the numbers being much better this week next week and probably not for a month or two in terms of uh employment so that's going to have a ripple effect even if you factor in the the government programs in the u.s and in canada so true to look at the market it being up in a major way like today and thinking that oh we're somehow out of it or you know that's not true at all cases will be going up over this week over next week that's just going to happen but if we do the things that we need to do then we can flatten that curve so i like that quote you just brought up the the classic benjamin graham quote about it being a short-term voting machine and a long-term weighing machine. That is a great quote from Benjamin Graham. The author of the book, The Intelligent Investor, and one of uh, mentors of Warren Buffett when he was at, studying at Columbia University. So very, very cool. And this transitions well to what we're going to talk about. So what are we going to talk about today, Simon? Yeah, I was going to say really, really good segue over there. <laughs> I'm thinking, man. I'm thinking here. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we came up with this idea today to just switch it up a little bit, not talk about specific businesses. But uh, Brayden is going to come up with four books um, that you guys can read if you're looking for things to do while you're stuck at home during uh, this um social distancing or uh, physical distancing period um, and I'm gonna talk about uh, four movies slash shows that uh, you guys can watch while you're you're at home so uh, for my end I know they're all available on Netflix and for the books obviously you'll probably have to buy them uh, but there might be some audio versions of the books uh, if you're interested with that so uh, let's get started uh, Brayden since you uh, started talking about the uh, intelligent investor I'll let you uh, start off with your first book. Yeah, sure thing. So for me, I go in waves of being like a binge reader. Like I'll go a couple months where I'm crushing tons of books. And then I'll go on a binge where I'm listening to strictly audiobooks and strictly podcasts. So I don't know. I have these kind of modes where I'm reading uh, actual paperback copies and then going into podcasts and uh, I don't know. I just switch it up every once in a while. But the three books that I'm going to talk about, sorry, the four books I'm going to talk about, I'm looking right now at my bookshelf at and are books that I think are very important for your mindset more than anything. Um, and they're also written by legendary investors. So obviously, The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham, not going to lie. First book, a lot of people recommend that this is the first investing book you read. 
I kind of disagree. And the reason for that is it's very hard to digest it. It was written in the 40s. And yes, it's, it's, it's legendary reading. But it's pretty hard for someone who's just getting into the stock market to read The Intelligent Investor. That's just my take. So the idea that it should be the first book you read, I think is quite silly. I do agree that it is the kind of Bible of value investing, however. Um, so there's so much on this book out there that I'm not going to get into details. Let's talk about two other ones that I think are more fun to read because Peter Lynch and Joel Greenblatt are very, very good writers in the fact that they talk to you in a very casual voice and make investing something that's kind of fun. If you're ever on YouTube, just look up Peter Lynch's speeches to grad students, to he's done stuff for the military, I think, um, obviously for his company when he was managing the Fidelity Magellan Fund. And he is just a witty, funny guy, like really, really witty. Um, so his book, One Up on Wall Street, is really great. He, uh, he has a bunch of really, really easy to digest stock investing books. And then, yep, go ahead, Simon. Oh, <laughs> oh, I was okay. I was just scratching, but uh, keep going. You looked you like you, you had something to say. You're fired up about uh, One Up on Wall Street. <laughs> no, no, I was just listening to you. Yeah, yeah but uh, no, it, uh, it's a good book. And same thing for The Intelligent Investor, read both. Yeah. Sure thing. So then another one that's really, really easy to digest is The Little Book That Beats the Market. And it really is little. Like I think I read this book in like three hours really easy to understand. And he talks about the whole book is basically about the premise of the magic formula, which ranks stocks on their return on invested capital and their earnings yield, which is just the inverse PE. So he just insists on buying low PE stocks with high return on invested capital. Now, it is an incredible oversimplification of investing, even though it's back tested and proven to be very effective. I think the concept that the main takeaway is, is to look for undervalued securities with great profitability metrics, with return on invested capital being one of them. So I think it's kind of silly to think that I'm just going to strictly invest off like factor investing with two metrics rather than use that as part of a greater strategy. So overall, I think it's a very powerful book to understand his mindset, the contrarian mindset that he has, and, and looking at metrics and kind of keeping uh, you know, a numbers perspective is very important. But uh, the magic formula, the, of course, there's no true magic formula to finding great, great stocks. And then Another one I just wanted to throw in that's not investing related, but is very relevant to right now. A lot of people I know are looking for side hustles, for things to do to build a business online while they have all this downtime to reinvent themselves and learn new skills. The $100 Startup is a very good book and is one that provides all of these different case studies and all of these different worksheets right in the book that you will actually have to bring a business idea almost to something at the end of the book that you have a pretty decent idea of how you're going to market it, how you're going to build it, what the product is, what the price is. So it's just a good, uh, it's a good book. And the author, his name is escaping me, 
I'm gonna pick it up once you start talking about movies, and I'll let you know. But uh, let's uh, let's hear some movies, Simon. Okay, yeah, perfect. So I think most of the books you mentioned I read. I think the last one uh, I did not uh, did not read, so uh, it'll be good to get that author. So in terms of movies that uh, people can watch that are invest investment related uh the first one it's probably my favorite one um of the four i have um drawn out so it's the big short so if you guys have not uh watched that movie already i think it's on netflix i'm pretty sure it is um and it's really about the 2008 2009 financial crisis what led to that it's also it has quite the cast and it's pretty cool to see christian bell um um I think it's uh, the guy from The Office. What's his name again? Steve Carell. He has a great performance Steve Carell. in that. Yeah, Ryan Gosling and Brad Pitt. So they all kind of play roles that we're not really used to seeing them in. So that's really cool. And it goes over uh, how they started shorting the housing markets and banks in the U.S. before the whole financial crisis happened and the excess that caused that. Um, I think there's a scene in the movie, when you guys watch it, you'll see where there is a um, a adult, uh, let's say, exotic dancer, to put it lightly, that has about, I think, four or five different like condos and mortgages on her um, exotic dancing salary. And that's when uh, the the character played by uh, Steve Carell actually realizes that they might be in big trouble in the U.S. with the housing market. So it's definitely a good watch, especially right now with all the uncertainty going on, Um, just just to know a bit more what happened, especially if you're a bit younger and you don't really remember that. Um, it's really interesting to watch. So the next one on my list is the China Hustle. So this one is really interesting to watch. It's more, uh, it's a documentary. Um, and it goes over how in, I think, late 2009, 2010, um, around that time, how um, a lot of Chinese companies were listing in the U.S. on the stock exchange, and they were listing in a reverse way where they were using companies that were still listed but no longer uh, operating so they could bypass the actual regulatory filings that they need to do with the um, SEC in the U.S. So what ended up happening is a lot of these companies were fudging the numbers because of that because in China with the Chinese government it's really hard sometimes to get the actual figures um, what's actually going on and it's easy for the companies there to uh, make up a lot of uh, make up sales, make up profits, and things like that. So that's a that's a movie I would recommend to anything anyone looking to invest in China. Um, if you're looking to invest in China, just be just remind yourself that it's not the same regulatory process that we have in North America over here for these companies. So there is more risk associated with that, and that got reinforced uh, last week with Luck and Coffee which had ballooned their sales, their CEO actually uh, inflated their sales um, by, I think, something like 70% or something like that. And it just got discovered through an internal investigation. Um, So it just shows that even today, even after that documentary, um, there's still some risk in investing in China. I'm not saying don't invest in China, but just be aware of the risk that could be associated with that. That is definitely scary 70 percent like my god the china hustle is really really good i watched that documentary 
I think Netflix is doing a really good job with those docu-series in general. Obviously, the Tiger King one is taking the world by storm, which, by the way, is insane. That show is nuts. (laughs) Anyways. um, We we powered through that one. It was so good. Like, we just couldn't believe it. It, like you're like, how does this exist in real life? Um, oh yeah. But channels is really good. Over the, the all of those over the counter securities that were listed in the U.S. of those Chinese basically shell companies. That research that was done, they would go to these manufacturing plants that I have with air quotes on manufacturing plants right now, and they were just abandoned warehouses or like basically no operation happening at all, and these sh- these short sellers were like whoa what is going on here this is not a real business this is completely fudging of numbers so yeah what corporate fraud that was yeah and it's really interesting the way they do it because like the the chinese government is very protective of their businesses and their industries and they're very patriotic but also very um, careful when it comes to foreign investor and there's a scene I remember in that documentary where there is a bus of investors that's going to visit um, a factory or a plant and the owners know that they're coming so they basically turn all the lights on make sure it looks like it's operating and so on and the investors are like oh wow this is nice and then as soon as they leave they shut everything off so it's um, it's really interesting it's just if you know, if you're looking to be entertained, but uh, looking to know a bit more about investing in China, that's a good start. Um, I'm not saying, like I said, don't invest, just yeah, be aware of the risk. The next one is a docu-series. I know, Brayden, you like that one too. It's uh, Dirty Money. So this one, they just came out with season two, I think a month ago, month and a half ago, I would say. That sounds right. Um, yeah, so I watched them all. I watched the first season probably a couple of times as well. So uh, there's some really uh, interesting ones. They're about uh, some big scandals that happen, uh, a lot of them in the U.S., but some of them internationally. I know there's HSBC with a big money laundering scandal, Volkswagen with their diesel emissions. Um, there's also one about uh, payday loans that you'll watch and you'll basically tell everyone you know never to use those services, um, even though you might know that before beforehand uh but they're good they're about i think an hour each if i remember correctly yep um and yeah they're good to like kind of just watch and if you have other people in your family do you want to watch it uh, with um they're really i think a lot of different people they don't necessarily need to need to be interested in investing to be interested by that they that series is really, really good, by the way, in general. I'm on the second season right now. Haven't gotten through all of it yet. First season was really good. And then, uh, you know, one of the episodes is about Trump now, about all the fraudulent things that he's done. Yeah. And uh, yeah. now oh, he's yeah. the president of the United States. So uh, very questionable stuff. That series is really good. The Volkswagen one was uh, also one that hit home for me because that diesel gate, that was my first car, was one of those volkswagen golf diesel uh the um the hatchback the TDI. yeah the tdi yeah that's the yeah, yeah. that's the car i had I, I actually love that car um but my god it was like wow someone has installed software to lie in this this is just like so so corrupt so we ended up getting a m- bunch of money back on it and uh yeah that was a big big deal 
Yeah, every time now I go buy a car that's diesel, I kind of hold my breath a little bit after seeing that that documentary and seeing how like the fumes are way way worse to to humans, and I think they they can cause cancer too. So, anyways, I'm not a I'm not a doctor, but well, I can tell you right now, I'm an environmental engineer. Not a big deal, and um, essentially diesel has really really bad nitrous oxides like nox which is nitrous nitrogen monoxide and dioxide no and no2 and it creates particles less than two and a half microns and what those do is they go in through your lungs and they cannot be filtered out naturally because they're below that two and a half microns and it never leaves your blood cells like your your system it's there's just kind of in there forever. So you have these cancer-causing uh, nitrous oxides that are not filtered out by your lungs naturally, and really have no way of leaving your body. So those are really, really bad for you. Well, thank you for validating that I should keep holding my breath when I see a diesel car. I've been waiting um, this so... whole podcast to flex that knowledge on you, man. I'm not, not just go. a one-trick pony here. Um, so the next one is kind of a fun one. So I'm sure you guys, uh, everyone has heard of these shows before. So the last ones to watch are series. So Dragon's Den and Shark Tank. Obviously, Dragon's Den, a more Canadian-focused one. Uh, Shark Tank, there is a Kevin O'Leary that's on it. So I guess there is some Canadian content. Um, those I do like to watch, especially if you're learning to invest and learning some of the terms that we're talking about, like price to sales, price to earnings, um, just the not like the amount of debt and so one you'll see that the dragons when they get a pitch from a business you'll see them roasting the people quite a bit on valuation and those are things that we talk about all the time and it's a great way to just use that knowledge in an easygoing kind of environment because you see you know it's entertaining you see these products you see these in entrepreneurs that are trying to get investment from the dragons and you see sometimes what they have to give in terms of a portion of business but also the different kind of pieces of the business they can give i know sometimes they'll have convertible debt uh, sometimes they'll have straight up equity sometimes they'll just tell them look your valuation makes no sense you're trying to get 25 times sales and you're not even a tech company and things like that so something you can watch with other members of your family because you know even if they're not interested necessarily in investing um, i know i watch with um my fiance will watch that and she just likes seeing the the pitches and i like yeah, obviously some of them are ridiculous, but I do like to watch it just to get the sense like how they view valuation. So that's a, a fun series to, well, couple of series to watch and there's a lot of episodes. So you'll probably have more than enough while uh, you're stuck at home. I've watched so much of Dragon's Den through my day. It's, it's fun, you know, it's, it's light. And it is, you do get to talk about some valuation multiples because some people go in there and they're valuing their, valuing their business at a ridiculous sales multiple. And that's all that really, sh that show is about, right? Because it's venture capital, which means that you are not expected to be net positive cash flow, actually creating any real earnings. So companies looking to acquire you or venture capitalists looking to give you a cash injection are looking at a sales multiple. That's basically the whole valuation. You know, just like publicly listed stocks that we talk about, price to sales is definitely a metric I look at. Um, price to sales in stock investing, low price to sales companies have actually shown 
really nice performance long, long term. Um, because they have tons of revenue because that's the numerator and then their valuation might be low. Uh, that's the denominator. So, uh, I just flipped that around actually. The numerator would be price and the denominator would be sales. So <laughs> there you go. Um, this was fun, man, because usually every episode I have like 10 different financial statements up on my computer and like talking about all the numbers of each company that I want to talk about. But you know what? This is light, some reading and some, uh, you know, watching a little bit of Netflix. I think all of all the ones that you mentioned, uh, Dirty Money and China Hustle are really, really good. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I've, uh, I've watched them over and over. I would say still the big short is my is my number one on the, the list I just gave. But uh, no, they're they're fun things to watch if you guys uh, need to be entertained a little bit and learn at the same time. I think those are all great things. And the books that Braden gave are are also really good books. And I think most of them are available on audiobook. I know the Intelligent Investor is for sure. Have you seen it's, Billions? Uh, it's a bit harder. I have. I started, but um, I think we're into season three, maybe. I can't. We kind of stopped and got distracted by Walking Dead. Mm. Very, very fitting. Is it right? is it HBO or AMC, that one? Billions. I think you can get it um, if you have the Crave, Crave TV. right, yeah. Yeah, Crave TV. You don't need the HBO, I think, subscription to watch. I think it's a basic Crave one. But uh, no, that one is good. Obviously, it's more like hedge fund focus, but uh, it's still still fun to watch. Too. Yeah, it's a drama about a hedge fund. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, all right, man. Anything else you want to talk about? Anything on your mind when it comes to the market these days? Uh, I feel very at ease. I invested so much cash last week and then it's just, you know, it feels good, man. I've been waiting for a drop in the market. I've been waiting for discounts and these companies that I thought were trading at just outrageous multiples, which some of them were now are very, very attractive. And some companies that have very, very stable, predictable revenue, predictable cash flow, like the technology companies we talked about a couple episodes that have almost all of their sales on subscription revenue, business to business, like enterprise cloud software, they are not going to see a loss of business from this. Like seriously, if anything, they have tailwinds as people need to migrate all of their stuff to the cloud. So there are always still good opportunities, even when I don't think I've ever been so pessimistic on the economy as of right now. There are still so many businesses that look incredibly attractive right now. Uh, yeah, exact exact same thing for me. So I mean, I haven't invested all that much in the past, like week and a half, two weeks, but uh, definitely have put quite a bit of money to work and bit like you just mentioned, uh, either technology based companies or companies that have really stable cash flows. And I still have some money to invest. So we'll see what happens in the next weeks, months, um, continue, you know, investing a little bit at a time and try to build uh, some position in some really, really solid companies. Um, so aside from that, do you have anything else or you want to uh, can sign off? I must know and the people must know. What are you up in Teladoc right now? I mean, we can always talk, do another episode. And that was one of the things I thought about, like our best performing stocks in the um, in this uh, 
in this um, correction, if you like, but I think Teladocs, I've had it for about three or four years now. Um, I think I'm up about 500% on it, so it's been a, it's been a pretty good performer, but it's uh, it's probably up a good uh, 25, 30% easily since the beginning of the year, so that's in a good contrast but as compared to the market. Yeah. I think it's up a lot more than that in 2020. Is yeah. It? yeah. No, I think... <laughs> I thought I saw I something mean, on Instagram track. that Teladoc was up like as of beginning of last week, like a hundred percent this year. So I wouldn't be sure. That, that would be. <laughs> I mean, well, you got nice. <laughs> That's how often I check it. I don't know. I think it, it could be true. I think it's about 150 now, and it might have been like around 85, so mm. 80, 85 at the beginning of the year. So I think you you might be right. Maybe I'm just uh, selling myself short. There <laughs> yeah, maybe. Bit. I didn't realize you've held it for that long. That's a bag holding for you. Three, four years ago, no one knew about Teladoc, and here we are. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, go to getstockmarket.com. Throw in your email. I will send you a list of North American stocks that meet the metrics that I am looking at all the time. All these companies market cap, PE, price of sales, price to free cash flow, revenue growth, dividend growth, return on equity, return on invested capital, uh, earnings growth. And then obviously the metric that I've been working on for many, many years in perfecting the stratosphere investing score for my premium members is also available there. So go to getstockmarket.com and we will see you Thursday, Simon. What are we, what are we thinking? We could do Thursday. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll probably record on Thursday. I'm not sure if uh, I'll upload it right after, but uh, we'll oh, get pressure's one on now, the buddy. The week since. <laughs> yeah, I know, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Seriously, yeah, thank you for listening. Stay safe, stay inside, and we will see you later this week. Bye bye. The Canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden or Simon may own securities mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Canadian Investor. To get a list of the top Canadian dividend stocks right now and other valuable investing resources, go to GetStockMarket.com.